Humans and animals coexist in a variety of ways all over the world, some of which are a little too close for comfort. In today's episode, you'll learn about the hippos that Pablo Escobar illegally imported from the United States and how they have developed in Colombia from the 1980s to today. Welcome back to the Rainy Book Nook Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby. I am back from an unplanned... I mean, the break was planned. It just wasn't planned for how long it was. Back from that break to bring you your weekly dose of all things morbid, peculiar, and curious. Today's episode is a little more science-focused than usual, which I am really excited about. Thank you all for being so understanding while I was away. Um, I took a break initially just for a week, and then the week after that I got sick, and then my birthday was this week, so let's just say my time management skills, or lack thereof, were put to the test in the recent weeks, but I am back and better than ever. My god, it is hot out there, isn't it? No matter where you are, I know you can relate, because the freaking whole planet is boiling right now. I feel like I've had a permanent case of sweaty upper lip for like a month now. But okay, anyways, I just, again, thank you so much for being patient. Um, thank you so much for listening today and for your continued support. Um, with that said, I want to tell you something that you may not have known about Pablo Escobar. He loved zoo animals. Pablo Escobar's Hacienda Napoles estate in the Antioquia province of Colombia housed a zoo that was operational for about a decade in the 1980s. The zoo contained a wide variety of imported animals, including zebras, elephants, exotic birds, and a whole bunch more. One of Pablo Escobar's nicknames was actually Robin Hood due to his philanthropic nature, despite also being an international criminal. He allowed locals to visit the zoo for free and provided transportation to the zoo for children also at no cost. Pablo Escobar died in Medellin, Colombia in 1993 from a gunshot wound to the head after officials were able to trace his location via his cell phone after he had made a phone call to his son. After his death, the Colombian government seized his estate and assets, which led to the closure of the zoo as well. Almost all of the animals were successfully relocated except for one species, the hippopotamus, which has remained and thrived ever since. It's safe to assume that their size, as well as their strength and aggressive nature, played a role in why they were not relocated, along with the other animals found at the zoo. The environment that hippos are native to in Africa is harsh and unforgiving. Hippos in Africa often face a natural population cull from starvation or dehydration, preventing their population from ever growing very large. In Colombia, however, hippos have no natural predators, and they have an access to an abundance of water and food. 
The population of hippos in Colombia has grown rapidly since Pablo Escobar imported just four hippos from a United States zoo back in the 80s. The current population is estimated to be between 100 and 215. I know that's a really wide statistic, but those statistics did vary all across the web. Um, the hippos are also reproducing at an average rate of 6% per year. This rapid growth is due in part to the fact that hippos in Colombia reach sexual maturity six years earlier than hippos in Africa, and female hippos give birth every year. So this is a recipe for a massive population boom. Despite their large size and aggressive reputation though, hippos have coexisted peacefully with the locals in Antioquia for the most part. There have been very few reports of hippos attacking people, and the animals are actually often referred to as village pets. Some animal groups and nature activists believe that the hippos should be left undisturbed in Antioquia, while others argue that they pose a threat to the environment and should be removed. One of the first of many responses to the Colombian hippo problem that sparked major controversy on the international stage occurred in 2009 when Colombian government officials authorized the slaughter of a hippo nicknamed Pepe. Pepe caused a lot of local property damage, regularly destroying fences around people's homes, destroying crops, and just generally being a nuisance. After many people complained about the hippo, a team of soldiers and two professional hunters were deployed to take him down. When they had succeeded in killing Pepe, the soldiers took a photo with his body, and from that point on, the whole world was now aware of Colombia's hippo problem. And cries of outrage could be heard around the world for Pepe. The Colombian government had intended to slaughter Pepe's mate and offspring, but protests for Pepe's death were so severe and widespread that the operation to kill his mate and offspring were eventually called off. Environmentalists, scientists, government officials, and many other people do agree on one thing for sure. Hippos were never supposed to be in Colombia, and the future of their impact on the biodiversity of the area is a major concern. The more hippos thrive, the more food and other resources they take from the native animals of Colombia. Eutrophication, a process in which waterways become enriched with algae-feeding nutrients like phosphorus and nitrogen, causes algae blooms in the waterways where hippos live. The algae blocks sunlight, which contributes to the death of aquatic plants. As the algae blooms decompose, the water becomes hypoxic or low in oxygen, killing fish that are unable to escape. Hippos also contribute to eutrophication by defecating in the water. As a result of their large population and diet, they produce a lot of waste. The Colombian government actually declared hippos a toxic and invasive species in 2022 due to their negative impact on the environment. So. What can be done? Over the years, many ideas have been explored about how to best deal with the problem. Solutions range from relocating the hippos to decimating the population. Hippos are large animals, with the average adult weighing around 3,000 pounds. This is for hippos native to Africa, but the environment in Colombia may provide them with more food and less stress, probably leading to even larger hippos. 
Relocating the hippos to an another country would be the least destructive way to deal with the problem, but the effort, money, and resources required would be immense, especially for a developing country like Colombia. Additionally, the hippos are accustomed to the environment of Colombia and would probably die if they were relocated to Africa. Finally, there is a risk of disease transmission between the African and Colombian hippos if they were to be commingled. Now, the Colombian government is reconsidering relocating the hippos to zoos again um, in India and Mexico in 2023. This would be a difficult operation, but the government believes it is possible. Past relocation proposals have been dismissed due to poor planning and just lack of support. The new proposal involves using heavy-duty iron containers to ship the hippos. This would be costly, but it would allow the government to relocate about 70 hippos, which would reduce the population by almost half, depending on which statistic you look at. However, there is a problem with this proposal. Um, few zoos are interested in adult hippos, and baby hippos have a better chance of surviving in captivity. The government will need to address the issue if it wants to move forward with the relocation plan. It could try to find zoos that are willing to take adult hippos, or it, they could try to raise money to build a facility in Colombia where the hippos could be kept in captivity and not just reigning free in the waterways around Antioquia. A biologist who works in the Amazon told Colombian officials that they should kill and eat the hippos to reduce their population growth. However, you shouldn't eat hippo meat because hippos are known to carry a disease called leptospirosis, which can cause meningitis in humans. In animals, leptospirosis often shows no symptoms, but continues to be excreted from the animal either periodically or continuously for months or even years. This would make it impossible to determine ahead of time if the animal is safe to eat, rendering this idea a flop. Finally, we can talk about sterilization and castration. Yet again, size and aggression are the main adversaries of this solution. Another obstacle? Male and female hippos' reproductive organs are tucked into their abdomens, making it extremely difficult to tell male and female hippos apart just by looking at them. Scientists have to sedate the hippo to be able to do an examination to determine what sex it is. But even sedation isn't without its risks, because you can never be sure how any animal or person will react to anesthesia. Some scientists worry that the tranquilizer would not work fast enough and the hippo is at risk of drowning or some other similar event if it, say, got drugged and then freaked out and ran into the water um, before the sedation took effect. One way to reduce the risk of hippos drowning is to leave cabbage out for them to eat, once they are familiar with the location and have gotten used to getting cabbage from that spot, scientists can build a pen around the feeding area. Once the hippo is used to the pen, they can close the door, making it much safer to tranquilize it without the risk of it running away and drowning. But that that's going to take a long time, it's impractical, and it's going to take care of one hippo at a time, you know. Since 2013, scientists in Colombia have been able to castrate about one hippo per year. However, this has not had a significant impact on the current hippo population, which is already very large due to their rapid reproduction. 
And just when we thought we had found the most humane, albeit complicated solution, the castration or sterilization, we are once again thrust onto the international stage. In 2021, a United States judge ruled in favor of an animal rights group from California who had launched a lawsuit against the Colombian government in regard to their potential engagement in the sterilization or killing of the hippos. This ruling declared hippos to be legally deemed interested persons in the United States. What does that mean? Legal personhood is basically a stepping stone that allows an individual's rights and interests to be represented in a court of law. For the hippos, this means that under United States law, their interests can now be represented in court just like mine or yours. It doesn't create new laws, but provides enforcement for statutes that already existed within animal cruelty and other animal protection laws. While this appears to be a positive development for the hippos, it doesn't mean that the Colombian government is required to comply. However, it does provide a basis for those who wish to file a lawsuit against the Colombian government's actions in response to their hippo problem. There is currently no perfect option. Colombians have been dealing with an invasive species problem for 30 years without a significant solution and they lack the resources to quickly address the issue. Transporting the hippos to other locations would probably be the best course of action for them, but it would not be a quick or inexpensive fix by any means. The good news is that the locals seem to be generally accepting of the hippos' presence, with some even passionately supporting their continued presence. Unfortunately, Colombia is not the only country with an invasive species problem. Throughout history, there have been countless cases of animals ending up far from their original habitats and causing problems for their new neighbors. While many cases of species crossing oceans and continental boundaries have been caused by human activities such as trade, introducing animals to new lands for food, or various forms of travel such as pests hitchhiking on ships, evolution and other natural processes have also contributed. One example of an ongoing invasive species issues issue in the United States began in the 1980s when a ship entering the Great Lakes had zebra mussels on its ballast which fell off into the waterways. This species soon spread to many waterways throughout the country. As a result, millions of dollars have been spent to undo the damage caused by the mussels, such as clogging pipes in homes, destroying native mussel populations, and even damaging ship holes. In Guam, just after World War II, the venomous brown tree snake was accidentally introduced to the island, most likely also a stowaway on a ship. Like the hippos in Colombia, these snakes have encountered no natural predators in the forests of Guam and, as a result, have terrorized native wildlife. The bird population of Guam has suffered the most and has still not recovered. These are just a few examples of the many problems that invasive species can cause. It is very important to be aware of the risks of introducing new species to an area and to take steps to prevent the spread of one. Although the world is facing many challenges, Modern science is making great progress in all areas of study, and it's important to recognize. As our technology continues to improve, 
it's more important than ever that we have brilliant minds who are willing to push the boundaries of what that technology can do and where our education wants to take us. One thing I want to enlighten you on, I suppose, is something called the Zoonomia Project. The Zoonomia Project is a group of over 100 scientists and researchers who are working together to create something that can benefit all of humanity and animals. Using genetic data from 240 mammalian species, they have tapped into a wealth of information that could be the key to understanding disease, brain function, and much more. Here is a brief overview of the project. The Zoonomia Project is a collaborative effort of scientists and researchers from around the world. The project is focused on studying the genetic data of mammals in order to better understand human health and disease, as well as animal conservation efforts and various other um, evolutionary data. The project has already made significant progress and its findings have the potential to revolutionize our understanding of human health, human evolutionary development, and so much more. The Zoonomia project is an exciting example of how modern science is working to improve the lives of all people. I encourage you to learn more about the project and its potential impact on the future. Um, as always, I put all my sources in the description and their website will be there as well. So a little bit more about what they're studying. Um, a, a genome is the complete set of genetic instructions for an organism. It is found in the nucleus of every cell and contains all the information needed to build and maintain the organism and develop. The Zoonomia Project is a research effort that is sequencing the genomes of 240 different species of mammals. This research has, like I said before, the potential to improve human health in several ways, specifically, for example, by comparing the genomes of healthy individuals to those with diseases such as heart disease, arthritis, schizophrenia. Scientists can identify genes or mutations that are associated with these diseases. This information could then be used to develop new diagnostic tests and treatments, um, also figuring out which genes may cause specific um, illnesses or rather which genes when mutated cause specific illnesses. Um, very, very fascinating stuff. I could spend hours on their website. They have an incredible, incredible amount of research to go through. Um, additionally, the Zoonomia Project could help us to better understand the evolution of mammals and how they have adapted to different environments. This information could be used to develop strategies for conserving endangered species. One of the findings um, due to analysis done through this project is a story that I think many of you will be familiar with. Balto is a well-known story about a sled dog who traveled across the Alaskan tundra in 1925 to deliver diphtheria medicine to children in Nome, Alaska. Balto's breed is genetically suited for cold environments due to many generations of breeding and thriving in the harsh climate. 
Scientists who analyzed DNA extracted from Balto's remains believe that he probably had an enhanced ability to digest starch and carried um, very few potentially damaging genetic mutations. They also discovered gene variants linked to the development of skin and bone, which may have given him tougher foot pads and made the cold less troublesome to his feet. Balto was a tough dog with a purer bloodline than most modern dogs due to being less inbred, so that also probably played a role in his longevity and good health. Scientists at Zoonomia believe that by assessing all of this data over 100 million years of evolutionary time, by assessing every genetic position in each species, or sorry, genomic position in every species, the, the genomic regions that have remained the same over this, like I mentioned, 100 million years of evolutionary time, they believe that those regions that have remained the same likely obviously, I should say, play an important role in the development and function of that DNA, that species, etc., meaning they believe it's important. So this really allows them to dive into, though, the more specific, like, genomic regions that will say, okay, if you have this gene, you are more likely to have this illness later in life, or you have this disease because you have this mutation in this specific genomic region. There's a lot of things we know about illnesses that we, or diseases that we are afflicted with as humans, but there's a lot that we don't know about why we have those illnesses, how they happen, and you know, even if we do know that even deeper, like this concept of being able to look that far into the DNA to be able to pinpoint specific regions that these mutations happen at where these illnesses are then caused is definitely, definitely the area of study that we need to be focusing on. I think that's just great. To conclude today's episode, I'd like to tease something quite fascinating that I'll be getting more into with the next episode. We'll be traveling back to the Victorian era and into the human realm again. Have you ever heard of the occupation of mummy unwrapping or mummy unrolling? It's exactly as fascinating as it sounds. The Victorians were obsessed with death and other things that many people today would find quite disturbing. This obsession permeated their hobbies, forms of entertainment, quest for knowledge, and much more. The Victorians were fascinated by mummies because they believed that they could learn about the past by studying them. Among other things, the concept of Egyptomania, or Egyptomania, sorry, is a big, big reason that this happened. I would say more so than just them being obsessed with death. Okay, okay, okay. I don't wanna, I feel like I'm already talking too much when I said I was just gonna tease about it. So we're gonna end it here. The next episode, I'm gonna go all into that and a few other pretty fun, creepy, cool things. Um, so hold on to that thought. It's, it's going to be a good episode next week. I am going to be releasing um, 
Wednesday or Thursday of next week. I would say Tuesday because that's what I've been shooting for for most weeks in the past. But given how late in the week this one is coming out, I'm being realistic with myself until I can roll back into that rhythm of it coming out on Tuesday. Because Tuesday is really good for me. But like I said, it's just a little late now for me to promise another one on Tuesday next week. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next week in the library that no one leaves.